You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Y'all are able to hear me regardless, right? Yeah. It's on now? Okay. Good. So he would would go off to the car and eventually come back and embrace her and kiss her. And sometimes this would take five to ten minutes uh, 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 for him to go to the car uh, um, back and forth before he could go to work. So this this woman is kind of watching this newly married couple, and she had had about all she could stand. So she brought her husband to the window and she said, I want you to look at that. Do you see that? Do you see what he is doing to her? And she said, now why don't you do that? The husband paused with a very perplexed expression, looked at his wife and said, I hardly know that woman. (laughs) Change can be hard, especially the right kind of change. We're kind of continuing in our series. We've been on the road to recovery, and we've been kind of basing the series in part uh, on the ministry of Celebrate Recovery, which we're in the process of launching uh, here at Praise Community Church uh, beginning on Tuesdays, uh, beginning October 17th. And in your bulletin, uh, there should be an insert in there that kind of, again, outlines a lot of the different volunteer positions uh, that we need to um, make uh, and have here for Celebrate Recovery to be the success and impact we want it to have. So you can choose any of those volunteer positions. You can do those as often, uh, once a month, um, you know, every other month, every week, as often as you want to volunteer in that. You can kind of just fill that out on the uh, information there. And then if you can kind of just turn that back into me or Cheryl or Janie, um, and someone will get in touch with you and we'll kind of get you plugged uh, into that. For those of you that are not familiar, familiar with the Celebrate Recovery ministry and would maybe kind of like to find out a little bit more about it. I mean, what would a weekly meeting be like? Uh, This coming Tuesday, um, October 3rd, we're going to kind of offer a trial run. Um, We're going to kind of give a a opportunity for you to kind of see exactly what happens at a Celebrate Recovery meeting. And so we're going to be kind of this Tuesday night offering the full package. So there's a complimentary meal that starts at 5.15 and then we go into the large group at six o'clock. And again, it's everything you would experience if you were to come uh, on a regular basis. And on the bottom of the insert there in your bulletin, there is a box that you can check letting us know you're going to kind of attend the open house trial run. um, And then that way we can make sure to uh, have enough food. Uh, And then on October 17th, on Tuesday, October 17th, we'll kind of be offering that uh, on an ongoing uh, basis. So again, appreciate your prayers. I know a lot of you have been praying about this as we've been working on this for the last, you know, man, it seems like six months. We've really been working in earnest trying to get this organized and ready to go, and the time is here uh, to launch that. So these last several weeks, we've kind of been 
focusing on the word recovery, celebrate recovery. And we've taken that word recovery and we've kind of broken that down and we've been talking about each letter in that word recovery uh, and using it as a means of learning how do we recover from life's hurts, our bad habits, our hangups. Again, which all of us uh, in this room, including um, me, have. We all have areas where we need to be working um, to become more and more like Jesus. And so the letter R in recovery is, I realize that I am not God. It's where we kind of come to that point where we realize we are powerless to control our tendency to do the wrong things in our life. And apart from Christ, our life is unmanageable. And again, this is the first step, and it's what we call the reality step. The letter E in recovery called the hope step, that stands for earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to him, that my life matters to him, and that he and he alone has the power to help me recover. The letter C in recovery, we call this the commitment step, stands for consciously commit all my life to Christ's care and control. The fourth step we talked about last week, we call that the house cleaning step. And that focuses on the letter O in recovery, and that stands for openly examine, I confess my faults to God, to myself and to someone I trust. And this step has to do again with just kind of acknowledging it's taking ownership of our past, our responsibility, and then it's cleaning it up, letting go of guilt and shame. We talked extensively about, you know, guilt and shame, what that's like. Uh, it's, it's gaining and maintaining a clear conscience and it's learning to live a life free of guilt and shame and embracing life the way God wants us to live. The fifth step, which we're going to cover today, uh, we call the transformation step. And this is the letter V in recovery, which stands for we voluntarily, uh, uh, just voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life. And we just humbly, and I can't stress that word enough, we humbly come to God and ask him to remove our character defects. And again, I wanna, I wanna say to every one of you as if you are the only one in the room, you have character defects. Every one of us do. And we have got to come to that place where we acknowledge that and then just voluntarily offer that to God and, and say, we, we need your help. We need to voluntarily just submit to every change God wants to make in our life. And again, humbly ask him to remove those character defects. And again, we base this step on the scripture from Romans 12, 1 through 2, which says, offer yourselves. This is what you got to do. God is not going to make you. It's where we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him, and let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. So one of the processes that God is going to use to transform you, to change your life, to make you more and more like Jesus, is it's through changing our minds. It's transforming the ways we think, 
and bringing it more and more into unison and harmony with the way God thinks. And again, one of the reasons this is so important is because of what Proverbs 23, 7 says. It says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think about yourself in your heart is the truth about how you see yourself. Again, if you think of yourself or see yourself in your heart as a worthless person, you're going to talk and you're going to react and respond in ways that reflect that. If you think of yourself in your heart as a person of value, of worth, if you see yourself as someone in heart that is kind and loving, you'll talk and respond in ways that reflect that. And that's why you can tell a lot about a person just by watching the way that they act and listening to the way that they speak. So when you and I, when we talk and act in ways that are contrary to how God speaks and acts, one of the things he wants to do is he wants to change that. He wants to transform what you're thinking about yourself, what you're thinking about in your heart, and, and he wants to transform that so that you can begin to speak and think and act in ways that are in agreement or in unison with God. And, and he does that by changing, by transforming the way we think. And, and the reason he's doing that is because that's what enables us to become more and more like him. So let's talk about where do our character defects come from. And to be clear, again, every one of us in this room has some character defects. For those of you that think you do not, okay, that's your character defect. You're deceived, okay? Our character defects come from three sources, biological source, a sociological source, and a theological source. Now, another uh, easier way of saying that is our character defects come from our chromosomes, our circumstances, and our choices. Character defects that come from our chromosomes, those are the ones we inherited from our mothers and our fathers. Both your biological father and mother contributed 23,000 chromosomes each. And with those came some strengths and some weaknesses. Okay, each one of us have received some physical defects and some emotional defects that have kind of just been passed on to us from our parents. Again, this maybe kind of explains our disposition towards certain problems in our lives, but again, it doesn't excuse us from dealing with those. So for me, my tendency to be passive and kind of emotionally detached comes from my dad. Okay, my tendency toward explosive anger uh, comes from my mom. And again, neither of these are helpful and can lead to problematic relationships if I don't deal with them. Some people have addictive tendencies, maybe because one or both parents have addictions. And, and again, those those are passed down to you. And that's why some of you are more easily addicted to certain things than others. So our genetics, our chromosomes, are one source of our character defects. Character defects that come from our circumstances is another source. Again, every one of us in this room, you were raised in different ways. You were raised by different parents. You were raised in different uh, environments. And that affects uh, the way that we oftentimes react and relate to other people. 
We pick up, you know, patterns and, and habits simply from the environment we grew up in. And again, because of my mom's very explosive anger, I learned ways of relating to her, which drove me to always trying to please her as a way of trying to control her outburst. So if I, if I would see my mom kind of building in, in anger, um, I would begin to try to do things that would, would try to please her, to calm her down, to keep her from kind of getting to that place where there was going to be explosive rage. Because oftentimes I was on the receiving end of that. So there was, there was a payoff, and I'll talk about that in, more in a moment. There was a payoff for me to really work hard at trying to uh, please her, to appease her, to try to keep her kind of calmed down. I still struggle with that to varying degrees. I am, I am by large uh, a people pleaser. I, I like everyone to like me, and it bothers me when people are upset with me, and, and when they are, I will often uh, look for ways to kind of please them in an effort to get them to like me again. Okay, so that's, that's part of, you know, what comes from my circumstances. And again, we've all learned certain ways to cover for ourselves. We've all learned, you know, ways uh, both good and bad, healthy and unhealthy, helpful and unhelpful ways uh, of covering for ourselves, how to handle hurt and conflict, how to handle rejection. And again, all of that comes from the way we were raised. A lot of our character defects are simply self-defeating attempts to meet uh, unmet needs. Again, so for example, every one of us in this room, we have a legitimate need for respect. We want to be respected by other people. Now, if you didn't get that kind of respect early in life, you'll try for it and you'll figure out ways of getting that respect. And some of that may be by just excelling well in school. I'm going to do really well. I'm going to get all A's in school. Or I'm really going to excel in sports. I'm going to be the best, you know, football, baseball, basketball player uh, there ever was. And, and I'll gain uh, people's uh, respect. Every one of us in this room, we have a legitimate need for security. We want to feel safe. We want to feel secure. But if you didn't get that early on in life, you may try to compensate for that by surrounding yourself with, you know, material possessions or money. So those are just kind of, again, a few of the ways uh, character defects can, can kind of arise out of our circumstances. Now, character defects that come from our choices often reveal themselves in what we call bad habits. You do something long enough, it becomes a habit, whether it's good or bad. And then once it becomes a habit, it kind of has a way of becoming uh, who we are, how we function. And again, habits you never intended to develop in your life developed because you chose to do a certain thing long enough and it just kind of becomes a habit. And again, that's true whether it's a good habit or a bad habit. It was our choice. So again, regardless of the character defects in your life, why is it so hard to change the defects and flaws in our lives? It's one thing to acknowledge, yes, I've got character defects. I know what they are. But again, why is it so hard to change those defects and flaws? Well, first of all, is because you've had them for so long. 
None of the character defects in your life were developed overnight, and you're not going to undo them overnight. Many of the habits, the patterns that we have, again, we develop those in childhood, and even though they may be, uh, not be comfortable, um, they are familiar. And, and that's what we gravitate towards. It, it's, 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 this doesn't feel comfortable, but boy, does it feel familiar. So some of these you may have developed in uh, childhood, and again, they just kind of feel like an old pair of shoes. You ever, ever walk around in, in new shoes, and you just, oh man, they just kill your feet, and it's like you just feel like you're never going to be able to walk very far in those. But you get them broke in, and they start to feel really, really comfortable. Uh, and, and that's kind of the idea there. They're like an old pair of shoes. They may not be the most helpful for running a marathon, but they're comfortable. And again, one of the ways we provide ourselves cover for those character defects we developed in childhood is we simply say things like, well, that's just the way I am. That's just who I am. Because you've had these character defects for so long, again, they feel like a part of you, you're familiar with them, and they're just really, really hard to let go of. Second reason character defects and flaws in our lives are hard to change is because of identity. We confuse our identity, who we are, with those defects and flaws. And again, we say things like, well, this is the way I've always been. I've always been like this. Complete the sentence in your mind. It's just like me to be blank. It's just like me to be what? Workaholic, overweight, anxious, passive, angry, fearful, Suspicious, unmotivated. What you're doing is you're setting yourself up and identifying yourself with your defect or flaw, and it can becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You may say, I'm always anxious when I get around people I don't know. And then you get around people that you don't know, and what's the first thing that happens? You become anxious. You become anxious because you tell yourself, this is how I am, this is how I've always been. Been. I can't change. And again, you don't have to be that way. You can change. And one of the reasons we don't change is because we're afraid if we let go of that defect or that flaw, will I still be me? This has always been a part of me. It's always been the way I am. I've always been like this. And if I let go of this, if I change this, will I still be me? Now, the third reason character defects and flaws are so hard to change is because of the payoff we get from them. Now, listen carefully to this, because this, this is, for me, an aha moment. Every character defect, every flaw has a payoff or a benefit. The payoff is it will mask my pain, so I'll do drugs, I'll drink, I'll go shopping, I'll eat and eat and eat and eat, because that's the way I mask my pain. The payoff is it makes people feel sorry for me, and they pity me, and then they'll do really, really nice things for me, so I'll be a victim. The payoff is it'll get me a lot of attention, so I'll be a hypochondriac. 
Anytime a negative behavior is repeated in you, in your kids, in your spouse, in your co-workers, even though it may be very self-destructive, there is always a payoff and a benefit. It's why we do it. You may not be getting the attention you want. You may, you may be getting the attention you want. You may be getting the control you want. by your character defect or flaw. And you don't wanna lose that payoff, you don't wanna lose that benefit, and that's why you don't wanna change. So again, we have to be aware of that in ourselves and in others. There are people that are doing things and they're allowing their character defects again because there's a benefit and a payoff to them. Now, the third uh, final reason that character defects and flaws are so hard to change is because Satan discourages it. When you're stuck, he likes you to be stuck. When you're frustrated, he likes you to be frustrated. When you feel like you're failing, he wants you to feel like you're failing. And that's why the devil's constantly suggesting and speaking negative, discouraging thoughts to us. Remember, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He accuses you. He accuses you to God. He accuses you to others. He accuses you to yourself. He'll say things like, this will never work. You'll never be able to do this. You've tried that before, remember, and you failed. What's different now? Or you can't change. You just need to accept yourself the way you are. So he'll, he'll kind of speak things like that. Or he'll say even things like, you know what, if you get rid of this, you're going to go crazy. You stop doing this, you're going to go nuts. You need this. If you try to stop doing this, you'll start doing something even worse. Then what will people think? So you got to remember that the Bible says the devil is a liar and the word says it's the truth that sets us free. So let's look at that truth that sets us free. How do I cooperate with God's transformational process in my life? Remember what Romans 12 said, be transformed, be changed by the renewing, by the changing of your mind. If you wanna change your life, if you wanna be free of character defects and flaws from interfering in your life, you gotta start by changing the way you think. So let me share with you several steps you can take toward changing the way you think that will enable you to experience godly transformation. First off is focus on changing one character defect at a time. Start with just one. Make it a big one, but just start with one. Proverbs 17, 24 says, a wise person aims at wise action, but a foolish person goes off in a million directions. Sometimes we hit stages in our life where we get super motivated. I mean, it's usually like around the first of the year, you know, January 1st, we get super motivated. We're just going to change this, that, and everything about our lives, and we start making all these resolutions. You know, we want to lose weight, get in shape, quit smoking, spend less time watching television, be less anxious, take up a new hobby, work on my anger issues, and we try to do it all at once, and then, you know, usually by January 15th, we're, we're done and over it and back into all the ditches and bad habits. And again, the problem is, is that when we usually try to tackle too much too soon, we're just going to become overwhelmed. We're going to become frustrated, we're going to be tired, and we're just going to give up and kind of go back to the bad habits we're trying to break. I would suggest picking one thing, and again, make it a big one. 
Make it an important one. And then devote yourself to working on just that one issue. Then after a month or so, when you feel like you've made, you know, some pretty good progress on that one thing, then maybe add in another thing that you want to work on. And just add things in slowly, giving yourself enough time, again, to acclimate to these new habits, these new uh, truths, these new routines. And again, be specific about the area you want to work on. Don't say things, oh, I want to just become a better person. That's too general. It's too vague. You got to be specific. Because that could be a form of denial. So you want to work on anger issues? Work on anger issues. If you want to work on becoming less anxious, then work on becoming less anxious. Be specific. If you're working on not, con you know, trying to control people, work on that and be specific. And again, you can go back if you're doing your, you know, and, and in the Celebrate Recovery program, what we will do uh, is we'll, we'll help you work through a, a moral inventory. We talked about that last week. So you can kind of go back and look at that and say, okay, what are the areas um, that I really need to uh, work on? So if you're not sure sure which area to start in. Uh, maybe some of you are like me and you're just a, you know, hot mess and you're kind of like, man, where, where would I even begin? Ask God. He knows you. He knows you better than you know you. And he will tell you exactly where to start. And God will do it in a way where you're just going to feel really encouraged and motivated. Um, and you, you're not going to feel condemned. You're not going to feel put down. Uh, God will reveal that to you uh, in a very encouraging way. So again, you just ask God. Um, and, and God will show you uh, where to begin. Second thing is focus on one victory at a time. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 11, as part of the Lord's Prayer, give us this month our daily bread. Is that what it says? No. Give us this day our daily bread. God wants to give us the strength, the patience, the focus, the motivation to change one day at a time. He doesn't give us what we need for the whole month all at once. He gives us what we need day by day, moment by moment. And the reason for that is it, it kind of keeps us coming back to him on a daily, on a regular, on, on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. If God gives you everything you need for the month, we check out for the month. Thank you, God, for our monthly allotment, and we're kind of off doing our thing, and then we'll come back the, you know, next month, and hello, God. So I think God does this on a daily basis, again, to engage us, to keep us coming back to him and depending on him uh, day to day. A few months back, we had a 30 foot chimney at our house was torn down to about three feet high. And so the guy who was responsible to tear the chimney down just kind of threw 27 feet of brick and rubble on the ground, just right on our, our yard. And when he finished the work and was getting ready to leave, I asked him about this enormous pile of brick and rubble and he told me someone else was going to come and remove it. That wasn't part of his job. However, the owner of the company who subcontracted him said, no, that was the contractor's responsibility. The guy who tore the chimney down is responsible for getting the brick and rubble out of there. And so they kind of just began this back and forth, you know, shifting blame and responsibility back and forth. And 
after about a month, I kind of realized this pile's not going anywhere. They're having a great discussion, but nothing's getting done with this pile. And I'm starting to think, you know, I've got a, I have a surgery coming up the end of October. Winter is coming. Um, We've got to get working on this. So long story short, after six, seven weeks of nothing getting done, I finally just started removing the brick and rubble myself. Again, wasn't my responsibility, wasn't my job. I paid someone else to do this, but here sits 27 feet of brick and rubble that needed to get out of here. So I got some five-gallon buckets, and I just started filling those buckets one bucket at a time. And in, in the beginning, as I looked at this, I just thought to myself, there's no way I can get this done. It's just too much. And, you know, so I'm, I'm loading it in five-gallon buckets. I think I had like maybe 15, 20 of these five-gallon buckets, and I'm loading them, you know, a couple of buckets at a time, and then loading them in the truck, and then taking this truck full of brick and rubble to the landfill and, and emptying this out. And, and one of the things that I did, every bucket I filled, I said to myself, never pay full for a job until the job is complete. I learned that lesson. I'm 62, so we, we were, we're always learning lessons, right? So I started to feel really, really overwhelmed and frustrated by this pile of brick and rubble and the thought of trying to get this all hauled to the landfill by the end of October. Not to mention I was pretty frustrated this became my responsibility. So to keep the negative thoughts and emotions I was having about this, I just decided I'm going to focus on one bucket at a time. Not the 25 buckets needing to be filled, each truckload, just one bucket at a time. One load at a time. I'm not going to think about all of it. I'm just going to think about the one bucket. I'm going to think about the one truckload. I'm going to think about the one trip to the landfill. A week ago last Friday, I took the final load to the landfill, and the job was done. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And again, I I was so overwhelmed looking at the totality of it. And it it ended up coming to be, I think, a little over uh, 10,000 pounds of brick and rubble. Uh, So this was a, this was a, a pretty huge job. Now, again, the, the same is really true when it comes to kind of dealing with our character defects and flaws. These didn't just pop up overnight, as I said earlier, and they're not just going to go away overnight. And rather than thinking about the long haul, again, just think about today. If today seems too much, then focus on hour by hour. For the next hour, I'm going to work on not losing my temper. For the next two hours, I'm going to work on being more patient. You take your character deflex, your, your flaws, and you just work on them One bite at a time, one bucket at a time, one truckload at a time. And here's the thing. God will give you everything you need in order to achieve victory. Third thing is focus on God's power, not your own power or willpower. Those of you who have already tried maybe to overcome some character defects and flaws in your life with your own willpower, your own strength, your own ability, you have already discovered probably numerous times it doesn't work. It will never be sufficient. You can't do this on your own because if you could, you would have. 
But since you haven't, it's because you can't. In fact, depending on your own strength and ability, it actually blocks recovery in your life because you're functioning out of a place of pride and denial. You gotta come to the point where you say what Jesus said in John 15, five, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do what? Nothing means nothing, yeah. Consider what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26. With man, this is impossible. Every, every character defect, every flaw with man, this is impossible to change, to overcome. But with God, all things are possible. Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This has got to be our attitude. This has got to be our approach when it comes to conquering and overcoming character defects and flaws. We must depend on the power and the strength that comes from God and not from ourselves if we ever want to be free and victorious. We still have the little black wristbands. They're right outside the, uh, the entryway here that says, God's got this. Um, and what a great way to remind yourself on a daily basis that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're working on in your life, God's got this. And all we need to learn to do is to focus on him, lean on him, and trust him to give us whatever we need in dealing with the character defects and flaws in our lives. So we've got to lean into God's power, strength, and ability, and not our own. Next step is, we can, uh, is to focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. And that's where we uh, talked about, uh, read this in Philippians 4. Fix your thoughts. Okay, that's what we do. That's our part. Fix your thoughts. We got to do that. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think about things that are pure. How many of you constantly, you know, 24-7 think about things that are pure? I don't. So again, this is, this is part of that transformation. This is part of that renewing. We've, we've got to train. We've got to fix. We've got to focus our mind on things that are pure. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. That verse there in Philippians tells us again to fix and focus our mind on good things, not bad things. Whatever you are focused on is what you tend to move towards. That's why it's so important to fix your thoughts on things that are good, right, honorable, pure. Whatever you fix your thoughts, whatever direction your mind is set, that is the direction you're going to move. If you focus on good things, things that are pure and lovely, your thought life, your emotions will reflect that. And you will become a more peaceful you become a more calm, you become a more positive, a more compassionate person. Whatever has your attention has you. Have you ever found yourself saying, don't think about food, don't think about food, don't think about food, don't think about food, and what are you thinking about? Food. Every one of you in this room right now are thinking about food. You're welcome. So the Bible says instead of resisting, the Bible teaches us to refocus replace negative with positive, good with bad. Replace a don't with a do. You refocus off of what you've been or who you were 
to who you want to be, who you want to become with God's help. This is the power again of renewing your mind and it's using God's word, God's truth about who you are. It's getting focused on God's plans and purposes for your life. When your minds are being refocused off the negative, the untrue, the destructive thoughts we have to the positive, true, and uplifting thoughts of God's word, therein is where we will be transformed more and more into the image and the likeness of Jesus. Let me give you one more and then we'll close. Focus on progress, not perfection. Sometimes when we're in the process of godly change and transformation, it can feel very, very slow. And at times, it can feel like we're not moving at all. And all of you have kind of heard that proverbial saying, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. If that's true, we need to recognize that three steps forward, two steps back is progress. Sometimes in the process of transformation, we mistakenly think that God will only truly love and accept us once we reach a certain stage in our walk and relationship. And until then, God's just kind of annoyed with us. You know, until we, until we reach a certain peak of spiritual immaturity, God kind of just puts up with us. That's kind of how we think. We kind of think, you know, once we get to that certain stage in our spiritual growth, then God really loves us. And that's just simply not true. God's love for you is always at its fullest. God's love for you is always at its completest, regardless of where you are in the process of transformation and spiritual maturity. God's unconditional love for you and me, it is not based upon our performance or our circumstances, whether those are good or bad. God's unconditional love for you is never based on who you are. It's based on who he is. And the Bible says God is love. Doesn't say he has love. He says he's the very essence. He's the very stuff of love. That's who he is. The Bible says that he never changes. He never shifts away from that. So God's love for you is never hot one day and cold the next. God's love for you isn't the daisy picking, oh, he loves me, he loves me not. God's love for you is consistently always, forever, at its fullest and deepest. I love the promise, and I'm going to close with this. God makes toward us there in Philippians 1, 6, where it says this, for I am confident. This is what Paul says. I am confident of this very one thing, that he who began a good work among you or in me will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus that work of transformation, that work of change, that process of taking you from where you are and making you more and more and more like Jesus. God is committed, and we can be confident that the work he began in us the day we got saved, that God is at work and will continue to work in us until we either Go home to heaven or Jesus comes back again, whichever one of those comes first. God is committed to completing what he began in you and me. And for that reason, we can relax, trust God, trust the process he began and is doing, and just keep our eyes fixed and focused on him 
his word, his, the Holy Spirit that he has given to us that will lead us and guide us into all truth and in this process of transformation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I want to again just do a prayer of consecration. Kind of ties in a little bit about what we've talked about here this morning. And again, for me, if this is helpful for you, again, I think sometimes just putting our hands out like this in front of us, what it is is, is it's, it's, it's how we offer ourselves to God. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, God, when I'm holding my hand out here, it's like, okay, God, you see my character defects. You see my flaws, God. I'm giving them to you. Take them from me. And also with an open hand, it allows me to receive what he wants to give me uh, in place of that. So if that helps you, it helps me. If that helps you, I just invite you just to kind of hold your hands out. As we're, and we're just going to pray this um, together. Father God, you are holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. There is none like you. Your holiness is infinite, reaching beyond the boundaries of the universe. You are perfect in beauty, majestic in your perfection. There is no flaw or blemish in you. You are absolute goodness and light. There is no darkness in you. You are love, your glory, the outstreaming manifestation of your beauty fills the earth and gives light to all who seek you and obey your commands. You are unchanging and constant, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are truth. You are life. All life is found in you and through you. Your word says, be holy because I am holy. Your purpose is for me to be sanctified, made holy and righteous by you. Father God, circumcise my heart. Refocus my wandering heart towards you. Cut away my pride. Cut away anything that separates me from the life you have come to give. Cut away those things that have a grip on my heart Cut away the veil that separates me from you. Cut away negative emotions like anger, hatred, fear, anxiety, and depression. I repent of ever believing I am the owner of the gifts you have given me. I repent of stealing your glory and trying to make it my own. I repent of looking for my security, value, and comfort in the world instead of you. Forgive me if I lack the courage to stand against the ungodliness in our culture. Forgive me for remaining silent when I should speak and for the times I spoke when I should have remained silent. Give me your wisdom, your words, your truth, your compassion, your kindness when dealing with others. Father, with your help and your power today, I consecrate everything to you, all I had all I have, and all I will ever have. All I have been, all I am, and all I will ever be. I offer it all up to you, Lord. I consecrate my time, my possessions, my wealth, my reputation, my family, my relationships, my accomplishments, and my ministry to you. I consecrate and offer up my hopes, dreams, desires, and will to you, Lord God Almighty. I consecrate all of this to you for your purposes and glory. 
Father, today I bind my heart to your heart. I bind my mind to your mind. I bind my will to your will. And I bind my ways to your ways. Make me more and more like your son, Jesus. Be my vision, my mission, my peace, my joy, and my hope. Open the door of my heart so I can release the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this world. Lord, I trust you. Help me now to place everything pertaining to me in your hands, for you are faithful. Apart from you, I can do nothing, and none of this is possible apart from you. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus, believing by faith this work has already begun. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.